Meanwhile... I had a near tragedy here before you logged in. I treated myself to a can of V8. Wow, I could have had a V8. And then I went to open it and I sat it right here, but then I wanted to adjust my screen and I backhanded that oh, no. can. Yeah. And it was the best news in the world that I had not actually opened it. <laughs> I merely set it down, realized I wanted to adjust this. And then... And then I was like, oh, thank God I didn't open it. The time to think of having a V8 is before you've had something else. See, maybe V8 could find a way to use this in their commercials to some way. You know, I bet they some could. Benefit, uh, like... Um, Maybe they can come up with like a methodology for how to drink a V8 where you open it as the second Maybe. to last step so that you don't accidentally knock it out, you know? Safety first. All right. So you don't spill it all over your table and possibly your phone. Because we could go real meta with this and acknowledge like COVID and be like, you're probably stuck at home getting ready for a, oh, yeah. a Zoom party or something and you're getting your desk ready. Yes, like any American would. Don't forget these important steps to make sure you avoid accident, you know, like. Yeah, they could have like a, a Hollywood actress like, like a, I don't know, a low level one, a commercial actress, you know. Midnight Niagara Falls. You wouldn't know. Then they'll put like, this is a real right. <laughs> yeah. scenario that just occurred here. And it's like a dr dramatic accident, like whoosh. The old woman spilling stuff everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and the V8 can goes And the Ooh. keyboard is just covered in red that looks like yeah. blood. So it's just like, you know, you know tears. They, maybe they can do like yes. a couple of like cuts where it looks like the psycho like uh, getting stabbed in the in the um, shower kind of situation. And yeah. I know. They could do yeah. something with it. I mean, I, I will admit their ad campaign. Wow, I could have had a V8. It's really yeah, successful. Yeah. Like, I didn't say it aloud when I went to get the V8 out of the cupboard, but I said to myself in my head, well, you know. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, we'll get into it later in, with the show. Maybe this is the introduction to the show. That does seem reasonable. Th those slogans are so designed to stick with you for years to the point where, like, I mean, in a way, a lot of that kind of sloganing has dropped off in favor of, yeah. kind of a different kind of uh, a meta digital interaction that involves more like right. you know, swipes and interaction, you know, like that kind of thing. Oh, Mr. Brand Loyalty over here. But I mean, like, it's the same kind of thing, you know, like the uh, what, what on a um, website or a social media platform is trying to grab our eyeballs those slogans were trying to grab a place in our heads so that when we're at the store we don't forget mm -hmm. that rather than you know whatever pepsi's slogan was i don't want to sound paranoid but um I know this place is bugged. No way. What's that? Looks like a cross-house generator. This is a Max Headroom. Max Headroom? Ah, conchologist. He sees us. Where there's a wave, there's a cook. I like him. Join the club. Let's take a moment. Good idea. You're too young. I'll show you. 
numbers are growing. Uh-oh, you said the P-word. <laughs> now can I join? If it's yay, I say. No, I go. Right. Sure, you can join. Can you be president? <laughs> Twenty minutes into the future, a Max Headroom podcast with Heather and Austin. Max Headroom here with. Is this my guest? I heard you were big time in the old pop biz. <laughs> Well, I'm going to take that as a no comment. So, nitty gritty time. What I'm talking about, and you're not, is that more people prefer the new refreshing taste of Coke over Pepsi. Sweating? It's true. More people are, as we Cokeologists say, catching the wave. Catch it if you can, can. Catch the wave. Coke. <sighs> Welcome to 20 Minutes Into the Future, uh, a Max Headroom podcast where uh, we talk about TV commercials. Question yes. mark? <laughs> uh, please stay tuned. Uh, uh, we'll have more on that story after these messages. Blah, 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 blah. Coke over Pepsi. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. Cokeologists. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Blah 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 Catch the wave, Coke. Blah 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 blah. So it has come to this. As we focus our skills to analyze some of the most lauded and awarded films, and some of the most incredible cult TV shows, we are now asked to use everything at our disposal, and this time say something meaningful about TV ads for sugary soda products. A hellish post-apocalyptic nightmare. This is truly what life living in the fringes is all about. If you can't beat it, catch the wave. (laughs) Certainly, some people might have watched Channel 4 if they lived in the UK, and others watched Cinemax and probably a larger segment than those two saw Max Headroom when it aired on ABC during that glorious year it was on the air. But, as Heather has reminded me, most people probably knew this character through the nearly ubiquitous and heavily run ads for New Coke that featured Mr. Headroom as their spokes... AI? And this was part of the conundrum of the character. The backstory around Max is exciting and compelling cyberpunk fiction that can easily be injected with whatever sensibility is needed for the time and place that he pops up. Max as a UK telefilm? Sure, let's lean into the working class characters. Max as a TV host and talk show personality? Hmm, let's bring up the absurdist comedy and the pseudo-digital editing. Max as a primetime U.S. drama? Well, we know what to do. Let's stoke the will-they-won't-they between Edison and Theora and see what happens. And while certainly these things worked with each different iteration of the show, what was obvious from the beginning was that Max was a fully formed character with or without a backstory, and that you could put him on the screen 
have him say completely outrageous things, and of course, hawk your wares, and the character worked almost as well as if you were to put some other up-and-coming celebrity on the screen to do the same thing. Hi, I'm me, and I'm using this to sell you this. It is no wonder, then, that after the telefilm aired in the UK, Max was immediately licensed to be used in ads, first by a local company, and then by one of the single largest businesses operating in the mid-80s, Coca-Cola. To discuss the size and wealth of cola companies in the mid-80s requires some amount of context. Adjusted for inflation, Coke's income was over $2 billion per year. By comparison, Pepsi only earned a mere $1.5 billion. Coke was, and is, big business, and commanded the kinds of money that was not only astonishing then and now, but led to stockholders making incredibly strange decisions just because it seemed like a good idea at the time? And while Pepsi might have been number two in sales, and the invented Cola Wars is cemented in our minds as an 80s trope, the war between these two historic brands goes back generations before that even, and both companies have always been willing to pull out the big guns, make wild decisions, and just maybe grab the leading edge in the marketplace. With just the right character helping sell the product, it was only a matter of time before someone, somewhere, would try their hands at a truly experimental approach to selling sugary soft drinks to kids. You remember the first time you tried these games? Space Cadet. But with practice, Captain Galaxy. And when you first tried Coke, I bet you said, no, thank you, but hey, hey, hey! Let's try Coke again. Between 1985 and 1988, ads featuring this new computer-generated character, Max Hedrum, were used to provide the hard sell when it came to Coca-Cola. These ads were seen all over the world, on nearly every network, and predated the US TV show as something Americans did see. And the ads were on well after Max had lost all of his shows. The commercials were short, weird, futuristic, and nonsensical, and also tried to create a world that reflected the various iterations of Max's other kinds of programming. But in a context where he was trying to get you to drink new Coke, instead of just listening to him rant. For this episode, uh, we decided to watch about a half hour of different Max Hedrum ads uh, and this isn't even all of the ones that are uh, out there. There's about a, a, a 90 minutes of different advertising material with featuring Max in different forms. Is that a lot? That's a lot. We bit off basically the first 30 minutes. So mm -hmm. there'll be two more installments of these commercial shows that we'll do down the road. Stay tuned to this channel. Maybe to kick things off uh, this week, we should uh, um, um, uh, have a little installment of Max Cocktails uh, because uh, for an endeavor like this, of course we gotta have rum and cokes. I was just gonna say clearly that's all it could be. Mm-hmm, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll do a little bit of rum and Coca-Cola. Get that uh, ice cube sound effect mixed in there for, for a moment and uh, I yeah. haven't had a rum and coke since college. I think I'm going to be sick. If you're going to spew, spew into this. I'm not sure I would be able to 
handle that? I, I might need to uh, um, have a sip off of my rum and coke and then pass it off to a pinch drinker uh, who can take care of it for me because like, yeah. I'm not going to make it through this whole drink. <laughs> uh-uh, no, someone someone with a tolerance for, like you said, that much sugar. Is that a lot? That's a lot. Just to put it in context of what was happening in the world of advertising at the time, crazy stuff was happening. New stuff was being kind of thrown out almost as quickly as it was being thrown away. Uh, And uh, these cola companies were doing anything they could to kind of like get noticed. Look at me, everyone! And so I think that is some of the context that for people who are just looking at these ads going like, yeah, it's a bunch of Coke commercials. What? <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like, well, when Max is like saying, Uh-oh, you said the P word. <laughs> and everybody laughs, you know, like, that's pretty subversive. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Which is also something that I never, like in the 80s when I first saw, and I hadn't by any means seen all of these Max Coke commercials that we watched the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also strange to me because I didn't even think for a second about how weird they are. They are all very strange. Yes, yes, I agree. Even for ads of the 80s. Yeah. Yes, here we are once again at the world thing, 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 thing. Well, well-known summer school for tongues. <laughs> and we all know what tongues are for, don't we? Hey, you're fine for saying that. Well, some of you don't, and that's why you're here. Maybe we should take this from the top. Uh, um, there'll be a link uh, um, that will take you to a playlist that we're going to include all of the ads in the order that we watched them, so that if we reference something, you know what we're talking about. Announcer Mitch here. Use the link bit.ly forward slash maxads1, spelled M-A-X-A-D-S, and the numeral 1, that will take you to a video presenting about 30 minutes of advertisements, all featuring Max shilling his little heart out. We should note, these companies do not sponsor our show in any way. We do not endorse these products, and we at 20 minutes into the future do not recommend that you follow the advice in these ads. We repeat, they are just dumb ads. You shouldn't let commercials influence your behavior. You have been warned. Now, please support us on Patreon and let us return you to the program, already in progress. Click the link and follow along, and then we'll start from the beginning. The first batch of ads we saw were the radio rentals. As you were uh, uh, saying, um, uh, the uh, telefilm was uh, aired on Channel 4 in the UK. Immediately, big sensation. And so this company, Radio Rentals, uh, said, we want Max to advertise for us, uh, please. With sugar on top. These ads were made by Rocky and Annabelle, just like the telefilm was. They were working on the VJ show simultaneous to this. And so they already kind of had everything in place to do the Max effects. So they just need a slot a day where they just record the Radio Rentals ads and then move on to the next thing afterwards. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. There's a couple of UK-isms that are worth noting in there, but on the whole, they're just Max being Max, kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> Any, did anything stand out to you about those ads? Um, the big suit thing did. Have you noticed 
everything's getting smaller. Just because I wonder how that aligned <laughs> with the timing of uh, uh, yes. David Byrne's big suit. I, I was wondering about that too, where they have Max's head very small and his body very big. It does very much evoke that uh, big suit from the Stop Making Sense movie. Yeah, this would have been late 85. So uh, I'll have to look up when Stop Making Sense uh, was uh, uh, the stage show. The footage of the show that became the film Stop Making Sense was shot in December of 1983 and was released to the public in October of 1984. So it seems very likely that Max is riffing on the big suit for this ad. They refer to the VCRs as videos. Um, as uh, um, famously uh, uh, iterated over and over again in the Young Ones episode. Oh, have we got a video? Yes, we've got a video! But yeah, this is a UK slang for VCRs. Like, a, it, we've got a video. We've got a VCR. We got, you yeah. um, know. That didn't catch on in the US. I think people were much more into the acronym because it sounded yes. kind of futuristic. VCR. In those commercials, I was confused when I thought they rented out videos in the way that Blockbuster, for example, yeah, yeah, rented yeah. out videos. <laughs> Until he shows you the devices that you're renting, it does kind of sound like he's saying, like, come down and rent uh, the, the, the big hit movies of the week. Ordinary video stores don't even come close to Blockbuster Video. You've just got to see it to know what we mean. Wow. 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 What a difference. Blockbuster Video. And then uh, they do make a reference to video nasties. This is a thing that was went through the UK that was not in the US. This is what they referred to as horror movies in the UK. It's a video nasty! One of the big concerns that was happening in the UK was that these unrated video nasties were being distributed and people were watching these horrible, awful things. The video nasties were getting into your house. We must stop them. Ah. Michael and I are going to indulge in an all-night orgy of sex and violence. <laughs> but in the toy room? Yeah. First, we're going to have sex with the headless corpse of the virgin astronaut. There's a wonderful punk band called the Video Nasties. Um, I think I've heard of them. Yeah. I didn't know what the reference was. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, uh, Max references it in the ads. It's a UK thing that we probably didn't ever. Unless you're a nerd about UK stuff, you probably didn't hear about. <laughs> I think, again, they also referenced that in a Young Ones episode. Inserting. Watching. Rewinding. Ejecting. Those are the radio rentals, uh, you know, just a, a, a couple. Those are the early commercials uh, that people would have seen Max for. Those were the ads that Coke saw that was like, we want this character. <laughs> and so Coke does an escalating, we'll pay whatever you want. We, we want Max. We're going to get Max for our stuff. Tell us when we've put enough money on the table. Everything, anything is negotiable, Miss Hayes. You may not know the answer to this question. Hmm. Did Coke know that the TV show was coming to the US? No, because it was not yet in production. Like the, oh they were gosh. only interested in Max as a character. He's an amazing person who somehow gets me. Based on the fact that he was wow. popular in the UK. And they figured we can bring this character to the US. He has an American accent. 
it, it doesn't matter if he has no context because we're just gonna push the computer angle on it. It'll be the wave of the future. We'll get rich. And part of that was the escalating cola wars. Coke was like, we'll take whatever. You got Michael Jackson. I put a Pepsi in the motion, but that choice is up to you. Hey, you're the Pepsi generation. We need somebody crazier, you know, like, I mean, at the time, they Coke probably would have selected it, it, the the wildest celebrity that we have in our current moment. Uh, who who would that be these days? Kanye. It's just we weren't expecting I, you. I mean, <laughs> oh God. You know, like they would pick somebody. It's so over the top because they know that somebody's going to look at those ads no matter what because of who you picked. And so that was kind of like what picking Max was like. It was like the okay. most left field crazy pick you could possibly imagine. Didn't see that coming. Oh, they did well. Yeah, I mean, uh, as a choice, I think all of the Michael Jackson ads are kind of forgettable these days. But these Max ads, they're kind of weird and strange little art films in a way. Like, they're, they're really, really odd. So uh, to roll this out, because Coke was kind of in a situation where they're like, well, we don't know if this is really going to work. Let's test it. Hi. here with the traveling taste test show. What this was, was that they got a bunch of vans with Max's image spray painted on the side and Coke's logo on the other side. And they put together a bunch of TVs and a bunch of video players and a bunch of young hip people and they would rent out spaces in public places. Like there was one that happened at a rodeo in Minneapolis. There was others that happened in malls, uh, others that happened just kind of like out in these public spaces that were like, you know, in cities and whatnot. And the idea was like, let's target young people. Let's see what they think of these Max commercials that were putting together. Well, fellow colleagues. Welcome to the special summer program for Anonymousness. And so we saw a bunch of stuff, a couple of news clips. He really is TV's ultimate talking head, and he's so strange, so hypnotic, so arresting, so dare I say now, <laughs> that both Coke and Pepsi wanted him as an endorser. Yeah. Some actual footage from some of these taste test events where they're talking to teenagers and young people about what they think of Max. Yeah, and the the young people just couldn't get enough. My boyfriend and my sister, and he caught our attention. We were across the room and we saw the graphics, and it does, it's an eye catcher. It's really neat. It's kind of like a mixture of everything. It's kind of like the one person everybody wants to hear. And then we have a few ads that are like improvised by Matt that are kind of like just him riffing on Coke stuff. For you, Pepsi drinkers. It's summer school for your taste buds. Yes, those tiny little bump, 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 bumps on that pink slab, i.e. your tongue, that are in danger of failing Cokeology because they think Pepsi tastes as good as Coke. Some of those ads look professionally done. Some of them look like they just threw a camera up and said like, hey, Matt, uh, goof around for a little while. Because nothing that's in for nothingness tastes as new, as refreshing, as invigorating as an ice cold Coke. And so the quality of the actual ads that are in that section vary dramatically. And I think that was Coke's way of kind of testing out what would work. 
you know. Right. Like in Yeah, because why spend all that production money mm-hmm. well, and, and if Matt, you don't know? And Matt had made kind of in the UK video show a point of just riffing and yes. kind of improvising and whatnot. And so Coke bought that character. And so they're like, why don't you just do what you do and we'll see if it works. Now, relax. Don't be ner- n- nervous. And see if you can't tell the difference between the new refreshing taste of Coke, 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 How many NDAs do you think people had to sign to not let it slip that Max was not actually computer generated. Oh yeah, well you know that was something that the company that you know uh, Annabelle and Rocky uh, they intentionally didn't ever contradict people when they said he was computer generated. You'll see in the you'll see in the film a bit later that there are there are some things which are called um, which look like computer graphics. In point of fact, um, I think it was you who came up with the term SCAT, which stands for simulated, simulated computer, computer animation, animation technique, technique. <laughs> which basically means it looks like it came from a computer, but of course it was done in a traditional way by a fantastic man called Peter Tuppy. Must give him a yeah, Peter Tuppy was. Uh, uh, it helped me with, with a lot of these uh, computer-generated uh, techniques. And we got a lot of work from the advertising industry because I convinced them that we were using computer technology. But in fact, what we were doing was we were filming objects, like if we wanted um, you know, a cup to be computer-generated, we'd paint it white and put black lines on it, and then we'd shoot it frame by frame on a turntable, and then print those frames back out under a rostrum camera and make the lines glow. So the advertising agency would think they were getting this incredible high-tech image, but it was all—it was all done in a dark room, in, it, it, with Peter Tuppy's um, rostrum camera. It was a world of fraud and artifice, really. It was—it was—it was bluff from the very outset. It was, yes. And. Um, as I said at the beginning, we were terrified of being found out because we sort of knew what we were doing. We, we knew we were subverting television. We knew that we were kind of um, going to irritate people and, and couldn't believe we were bloody well going to get away with it. Um, today, I don't think you could, could you? And I don't think they'd let sort of the hooligans of the age we were Well, no, I don't think anybody knew what was possible, no. whereas now everything seems They didn't know very... how dangerous it was, yeah. that was the thing. It, yeah. It's such a mystery to everybody. And then they never put out a press release saying there was an actor behind it. And so they just kind of let people's imagination run wild with it and never corrected people when they would claim that it was a computer. Yeah. Well, and I guess we didn't have the internet. Ah, well, it must be true if it's on the interweb. I think the photos of Matt getting made up as Max were not easy to find until well into the 2000s. Like, I think for a long time, people sat on that secret. And, I mean, I certainly believed it as a kid that, like, oh, they probably have a computer that's generating all the Max stuff while Matt's filming his Edison stuff. That does seem reasonable. It wasn't until uh, in the 90s when I started thinking about it where I was like, wait a minute, they could not have had that technology then. That's impossible. <laughs> yep, they tricked us. This is not saying my dad is is a gullible man or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, he, like when I told him we were doing this show, he mentioned how interesting it was they could do that with computers. And I was like, oh, dad, no, I... I completely understand this is new information to me too. They could not do that with computers. <laughs> but it was so real. You had the combination of the prosthetics and the lighting, 
the editing technique of making it look like animation and add in the background. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got so many different elements adding up different layers that it is an artificial sleight of hand. Everybody believed it really was a computer animated character. It was just very convenient that we had the animation skills to be able to interpret a live action image in, in a way that would be convincing as a computer-generated image. The, the press were really hungry for information about it, and I remember having an interview with, with the press and, and, them, uh, and saying to them, well, it, actually, it's a man in makeup. It's not really computer-generated. And they didn't believe me. <laughs> they said, uh, no, you're lying. It's, it's computer-generated. It can't be a man in a mask, because they'd never seen anything like it. I mean, now you can obviously tell, but uh, back then, they were convinced that it really was, and they thought that I was just pulling the wool over their eyes. So I went with that notion. In the end, I used to say to them, well, in Japan, they've had a computer-generated man reading the news for years. You know, this is nothing that new, you know. On the subject of the video taste test and whatnot, yes. the, uh, what stands out the most to me about it, and, and maybe uh, this, you notice this too, is not so much the, the, the cokeness of it or the Max stuff, because a lot of the Max stuff is kind of things we've come to expect from Matt when he does the Max character. He's over the top, he's improvising, he's singing goofy songs, he's uh, making up his own lyrics to songs, that kind of stuff. All right, bake it. Bake it. <laughs> Summer school has just begun, so let's start laughing, let's have some fun. It is seeing the people in their clothes at the time, yeah. like the newscasters, dressing yes. in earnest 80s clothes. We're here to talk about Max Headroom, who is one of the oddest characters we've seen in quite some time. Yes, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. He is very strange, and he's really a computer copy of a head in a box. And then, of course, all the teenagers and the 20-somethings that they cut to when they're doing their little Max impersonations and talking about why they thought the character was great. Am I speaking to you? No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, uh, ah! try, 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 try. try yeah. <laughs> That footage, I could watch that like all day long. Like yeah. I could obsess over every item that all of them are wearing. <laughs> it's so interesting because the teenagers were older than I would have been at that time. Yeah, I think they're all almost out of high school, if not um, seniors uh, at the yeah. youngest. He's weird. <laughs> I mean, they looked just 80s beyond compared. Yeah. I mean, there, there's the one super nerdy guy with the ape drape and the baseball cap uh, oh, and yeah. t-shirt that they but interview. But there's still people who look like him. That's that's an unchanging uh, well, style. I was going to say, like, they, they that was probably the origin of that look. And it's like, he, he doesn't try to be cool. He's just him. I don't think in 87 people saw that guy almost any, like that was a kind of nerd that probably was not seen on TV. Like like the Cindy Lauper looking girl who has dyed hair and whatnot in the um, interviews. I bet at the time, you probably didn't see anybody like her on TV except in a Cindy Lauper video. <laughs> Those kids, like, I mean, certainly they are a cross section of like hip, um, uh, with with money, uh, probably p kids who hang out at a mall, 
who have the time yes. to go and do one of these things and that kind of, you know. So there's a lot of, like, a coded social things already in place. But, like, their fashion is probably earnest. Like, I don't think there's anybody at this event, you know, dressing those kids up like that. I think those kids showed up at that event and they chose to film the ones that looked the most interesting. I want to make a TV star out of you. There's something about it that sticks out, uh... In both ways. Like, the newscasters were trying to blend in because everybody looked like that in the 80s. The kids are yes. trying to stick out because nobody looked like that in the 80s. Yeah. And so it's such a, like, weird spectrum of fashion in, like, a short clip of, of film. That's all I had is on the video taste test thing. It's such an odd... Um, uh, anomaly. The relic from a deleted timeline. This kind of thing where like they would basically like rent a huge warehouse space, set up TV monitors and hand out Cokes and ask people like, hey, what do you think of Max? You know, like it, it, it's it's almost kind of like a proto rave kind of environment. That's like, you know, it's like the, there's music was blaring, you know, it was, it was such a um, such a weird kind of like DIY thing that it, it's surprising that Coke had the thought to do that you know? <laughs> you know or to go with that when someone suggested we should do this you know like it seems very hip the bulk of this is these coke commercials uh that that aired um y y some of them we watched to have varying qualities again we would love to know more about the production of these commercials if anyone at Coke would like to talk to us. And, and and not all of them necessarily were on TV. A lot of them were tested at these taste test events to determine, is this ad idea going to work? Maybe we should can the ones where it's just Matt improvising. <laughs> grab a Coke, grab a partner, grab a Coke, grab a p -p 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 kickstart those taste muscles, and let's go! Did anything stick out with the Coke ads to you? That you yeah. So... One thing that stuck out to me was Max has a middle name. Max! Max! Cornelius Hedrum here! And I'm looking for some atmosphere! I think that is the only reference to that in any, um, uh, 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 any media anywhere. <laughs> Wild. So then there were a couple different songs. Sure. Which was kind of weird to me. There was the rap, which was absolutely to be expected. Come on, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it harder, boys. Now, what's a drink that wins the dad that Pepsi drinker think is best? I'm telling the dude, it ain't no joke. The taste test, man. It's Coke. 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 Was the weird country song type oh, yeah. thing? Heather seems to be misremembering the 80s again. While rap music and hip-hop was on the rise in the 80s, and certainly popular with younger audiences, if you look at America as a whole, country music regularly outsold most other kinds of music, and in the 80s, country music took a hard turn. From leaning into small-town shows and fan bases, and instead developing national circuits, with stadium shows as part of those tours. The original Farm Aid show in 1985 was one of the largest country music events to happen in America, and was televised, exposing a number of people to country music who were not previous fans. 
In the wake of that, a number of companies and brands used country music and country imagery to sell their goods, and both Coke and Pepsi ran a number of ads that played to the strengths of this culture. Before and after Max was their spokes AI, Coke would use country songs to sell their products, and it usually worked. Pepsi's on an old gray mare. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I very much liked it, but I was like, is that how we grab the kids? With a weird country song? It was 12 o'clock, sun was hot when Coke and Pepsi rode to the spot. First show The Coke was on a stounding fair, Pepsi on an old grip. It was a nightmare. Nightmare. I mean, I'm glad it was filmed. I would, I would imagine that was one of the ones that was probably never aired. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, it's hard to say because uh, once these tapes were floating around, people in different regions could cut them up and reuse them. I know that, like, uh, some of these ads were, and then, like, the second half of the ad would have, like, a local announcer saying some like, come to the uh, such and such arena and buy Coca-Cola products while you watch. Yeah. Such a, you know, like, so, like, it's hard to say how many of them aired, where and when. Possibly... But we can say because of these events being public and people being at them, all of them were seen by the public in some way or another. Many of them on TV. Max Headroom? Ah, Cocologist. He sees us. Where there's a way, there's a coke. I like him. A couple other things that struck me was I'd forgotten about Cocology and Cocologists. Yes, yes, yes. One of the more um, common uh, uh, th threads throughout all of the Max commercials was this idea that, like, the, the, the people that drank Coke were this special breed of people who uh, were sophisticated in some way and Cokeologists. It's Max! Cokeologists. Your numbers are growing! So weird. And then I think the thing that grabbed me most was I completely ripped off one of these commercials and I didn't even mean to. And now, here's a short clip from our episode, Sparks FX, where we discuss the episode security systems and heather pitched the following idea for her installment of it's max what i came up with is there's a break-in at max's apartment oh, no. but the only thing the bad guys steal is max they steal him they think he's a tv yeah he's oh, sleeping no! So they come in, they take her. him, they take his cart and everything. Oh, that is the, the cart too. Oh, you yes, know, they do take his cart. Yeah, I bet they thought that they could sell it to like a community college to the AV department. How much do you want? A hundred dollars. I think they did. I think that was the plan. That or um, they liked the retro look. Mmm, yeah, no, these are like uh, young, hip uh, kids. They're, they're sharing a house or like maybe a large loft slash apartment. And so they're kind of, they have an aesthetic that they're trying to meet for the entire mm -hmm. unit. And yeah. they, they need retro 80s AV gear. Yeah, I think they actually live in one of those warehouse art spaces where people aren't supposed to live, but obviously do. Come to an art show hosted by your daughter, her daughter's cynical roommate, and their bohemian friends. I'm ironic, not cynical. You're on peyote. Our Yeah, not in Brooklyn, but somewhere that's like the new Brooklyn. And one of the ideas that I pitched was that children or young people break in and they steal Max thinking he's just a TV. Yes. 
in these commercials a child steals Max and takes him to the fringes for kids. I, I, I mean, I didn't want to necessarily uh, uh, rain on your parade, but yeah, a lot of your ideas uh, might show up in other places. Let's take a look. Uh, yeah. Now's your chance. Become a pocologist. Oh. Certainly, um, the amount of the commercials mimicking the storyline of the telefilm is the part that really boggles my mind in the it modern It got kind of weird. There's like so many parts where like these kids are wandering around in the fringes and they run into Max and whatnot. And it's kind of like, that's kind of eerie. <laughs> and again, just so that I have this straight for myself, still at this point in time, if you were in the U.S., Okay, maybe you'd seen these commercials. Maybe you had a friend in England. Maybe they sent you a video. Yeah. Maybe you know about the telefilm. Maybe Most likely, you, you have no idea. Maybe you had Cinemax. This is the only other way you might have seen it. If you had Cinemax, which was a paid cable service at that time, so very few Americans had it. And it was the alternate to HBO. So usually you had HBO, and then maybe you might have Cinemax after that if you you know, had extra cash. So it was one of those kind of situations. So if you had Cinemax, you might have seen the telefilm. So it's the okay, only so, other place that you would have come in contact. But a small amount of TV-watching Americans we were have, aware of the telefilm at all. So yeah. all they see is like, oh, it's the guy who loves Coca-Cola, and he lives in a TV. Why are children in a hellscape? Except this was their introduction to Max, who they did not yet know liked Coke. So they are being introduced to all of these concepts in one 30-second ad. More strange, most Americans did not know what the fringes were, or what it was implying that these kids were hanging around in them, and so to see this ad, contextless, creates the impression that they are merely at one of many kids' clubhouses that were all over TV in those days. This allows the ad to have new layers of subversion that only fans of the telefilm, or the American TV show later, would truly understand. Right, exactly. It's that so weird. Okay. It's so okay. weird. All right, just checking. <laughs> yeah, and and, and and part of it is kind of like the 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 gleam on it is a little shinier in the commercials, but yes. like it, it is still the fringes. Like it's not. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's like a nice version of the fringes, but like a little nicer. They're still, still living. Tough. They're still living in vans. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like. Yeah, and then the kid, like, he's not allowed to join the gang of kids, right. uh, which presumably leaves him vulnerable. You're too young. I'll show them. There's a miniature version of the story where, like, the kid on the bike is Bryce, the people in the van are big-time television, Bryce is delivering Max to big-time so that he can be on big time in the future. I mean, like, there's a, like in 30 seconds, they managed to summarize basically the telefilm with that weird ad that the kid is bringing Max on the BMX bike. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think that's when it started getting really weird to me, realizing if I were a normal American, I'd mm -hmm. be like, what are these children doing? Where are they? What is... What is happening? Now, can I join? If it's yay, I stay. No, I go. Max! Sure, you can join. Can you be president? <laughs> Some of the ads, too, got a little weird. You know, like Max is hosting a game show and the and that one ad, the pop quiz uh, series. That's right. Hi. This is Max Headroom's pop quiz. They do some sophisticated set stuff with Max that's very strange that's and right. weird. But, like, the ones that are basically, like, aping the story of the telefilm in commercial form are so surreal. And, and and I think it helps to imagine what the rest of television looked like in those days, like to remember 
who's the boss. Tuesday. What happened? What is this? It's a pinata, Angela. Who's the boss? To remember growing pains. Then it's a little one-on-one. -on -one. Nice try, Dad. Hey, what can I say? I'm good. Growing pains. Tuesday. To remember the bright and flashy advertising styles of like chewing gum and grocery stores and ice cream parlors and things like that. And then like to side by side that with these dystopian Coca-Cola ads. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it, it, I think that it helps to put a little bit of that in a context because you could watch this and go like, "Oh, all '80s ads are probably like that." And you're like, mm, "No." no. <laughs> <laughs> They mentioned the crosshatch generator in the Coke ads. Um, we have summer school for your taste buds slash tongue, which is a weird couple of ads that are that's are, are, are yeah, super that's, strange. Um, I don't. Uh, uh, yeah. There's the somewhere over the rainbow parody where Max starts singing about going to the beach, but he he's setting it to the the, the tune of somewhere over the rainbow. Um, I always love a good Wizard of Oz reference. Um, and, and then, of course, yep. the blind taste test, uh, which was referencing these uh, events that they would have at different places where they would have all these different colas out. And then they would, like, cover the brand names and ask you, can you identify which brand is which? And usually they were trying to convince you that you liked the Coke brand the best. This was in response to the distinguished competition, so to speak running the Pepsi challenge ad campaign, essentially asking Pepsi drinkers to take the same test to discover that they actually preferred Pepsi anyway, miraculously. Yeah, because I thought those ones were like, oh, well, which tastes best to you? And they'd be like, oh, you're drinking new Coke. When new Coke did take on Pepsi at the world's toughest rodeo, more people, like more people nationwide, chose new Coke over Pepsi. And that was part of the thing is that like, um, new Coke was struggling. Like, you know, clearly... The thing about Coca-Cola was that it was a much older brand than Pepsi, and so it had kind of been trading on nostalgia, the, the Santa Claus stuff and things like that, for a long time. And Pepsi had kind of moved into the modern era with these Michael Jackson ads and Michael J. Fox ads and kind of hipper-type younger things. Uh, and, and so I, I think that um, uh, Max was really kind of reaching in terms of like well we got to be even hipper even younger you know like coke coke realized how kind of stale they were and so these um reformulating new coke which basically tasted like pepsi if you don't remember <laughs> um was like their way of kind of like let's see if we can just kind of like basically do pepsi but under the coke brand <laughs> Uh, and, they, and they still had classic Coke that they could go back to if they wanted to go back to their nostalgic brand identity that they used to have. So, like, the gamble of new Coke wasn't really much of a loss, you know, for them. Quiet. Oh, sorry. How do you even drink that? Because it's delicious. What? what? It's like Carpenter's The Thing. The original is the classic. No question about it. But the remake... Sweeter, bolder, better. 
You're insane. So, you prefer the original thing? What? No, I'm not talking about the thing. I'm talking about new Coke. It's the same concept, dude. Uh, actually, it's not the same concept. It is the same concept. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Hey! Sorry. Yeah, I, I do seem to recall people who liked Coke had strong feelings about new Coke. Yes. Yes. And they were annoyed. And it actually, if, if I remember correctly, I thought new Coke kind of damaged the Coke brand. Yeah, I mean, th this is kind of one of those weird stories where... Um, yeah, they introduced new Coke, then they made the mistake of phasing out old Coke, which people hated. So then they brought back classic Coke, which was supposed to be the old formula, but new. But one of the reasons they were getting rid of the old formula was it wasn't really all that good for you. I'm thinking one reason why possibly Coca-Cola decided to uh, change the formula is humanitarian effort. Because the... What? Oh, because the... Mexican police will, will no longer be able to use Coca-Cola to interrogate their prisoners. One, one technique to um, get prisoners to start saying things is to shake up a Coca-Cola and put it up the prisoner's nose. Mm. So I was just thinking that possibly with lower carbonation, this won't work as well. The new classic Coke they brought back wasn't exactly the same pro flavor profile as the old Coke. So there was all these controversies. It ended up being fine in the end because years later, almost no one but us remembers this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Coke is fine. <laughs> but like at the time, they had a drop in sales. And then when they brought back Classic Coke, it went back up in sales. And, and like, so they had this weird roller coaster effect that they went through for a while. And no money. Say. It cost them any money. Yeah. Big feature story. Say. Interview with the president. Say. That we planned the whole thing. Genius marketing. The truth is. That is brilliant. The truth is. The truth is. I mean, that's stupid. Hey. We're not that dumb. And we're not that smart. Yeah, I, I, I would say the blind taste test thing, uh, we, we saw those everywhere in those days. And usually the way those would work was that they were slanted towards whoever was putting it on. So in the event that Coke was putting one on, every time a Coke product was presented, it was a brand new, cold, just opened beverage. And usually oh. the Pepsis had been sitting around for 20 minutes. It looks horrible. Tastes worse. Uh, for the record, I could never tell the difference. A, a, a brown I, soda was a brown soda. I, could, I couldn't I could tell an RC from your mom's homemade soda. They made you some homemade Pepsi for the dance. It's a little thick, but the price is right. The only other thing we missed for the Coke ads that we didn't talk about was the first time series of ads, which was Max kind of doing his, like, I'm invading your video game or TV screen kind of situation where he just pops in and there's a kid watching, and he says, Do you remember the first time you tried kiss, kiss, kissing? Oof. But now... So Max has a couple of these ads where he's, like, talking to teenagers in that way. That is the two ads, that series of ads, feels like the ones that are, like, the most blatant. Here's what Coke's trying to do. Let's talk directly to kids and try to get them to drink Coke. <laughs> and it was like, it's such a blatant, like, Max at the end of the ad saying, like, please try Coke again. <laughs> you know, if you didn't like it before, you might like it now. <laughs> and when you first tried Coke, he said, uh-uh, not for me. Hey, let's not let first impressions swell. And let's try Coke, Coke, Coke again, shall we? It's such a, th those two, like, feel like beyond the normal 
because we see a lot of weird Coke ads. That one feels like almost like the subtext being text in a way too obvious way. <laughs> So the last section here um, are the ABC promo spots. Max Headroom after Moonlighting, Tuesday. These were the ads that we saw that were basically all of the commercials aired to promote the upcoming Max Headroom TV show. So this is about a year or so after that first batch of Coke commercials that we saw. And uh, Coke commercials are still being aired, but now there's a show that's also being advertised for as well. Max Headroom, coming March 31st. Am I on air? So when you see the image of Max on the screen in this time period, you're expecting it to be a Coke ad. So it's a little bit of a fake out when these ads for the promoting the show are coming out and you realize, wait a minute, he's not advertising Coke. What? What? Right now you're looking at me and you're thinking, oh, wow, wow, he could become a star. Headroom, only on ABC TV. You're right. I could. <laughs> Did you have any response to the, the promo spots? I thought that they were really interesting, like we were talking earlier about how um, the commercials were so weird when juxtaposed with other commercials of the time. This was the same thing, like... Yes. Oh, so you can watch Full House. Do, 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 do. We're Full House. You can watch Max Headroom. What is going on? I'm going to reinstate Blitford's. This is big, isn't it? They're lethal. I've got a story that's going to blow this network. It was pulled from high up. You want him alive or dead? People translated as data. What am I on here? Max Headroom. Coming March 31st. These little uh, ads, I mean, like... You know, at the time, you would get an announcer coming over saying, like, next time on Who's the Boss? You know, and then they would have, like, some banter in the ad. Like, these commercials for Max Headroom, it's like, no, no, no narration, weird, eerie, electronic synthesizer music, lots of, like, <laughs> car chases and weird, like, Max Headroom's computer sparkles, and then, like, coming March 31st. You're like, yeah. what? On air promo in 15 seconds. Edison Carter was pulled off the air. This is Edison Carter coming to you very much live and direct. Nightingale's body bank, Florence speaking. There's someone else in the system. And then there's one where Bryce kind of comes out and explains everything. Mm -hmm. But even this is creepy because he's got like all of his little gadgets and he's like scratching his face with right? an artificial <laughs> hand. <laughs> Clearly Chris Young improvising, being told, uh -huh. like, just do something Brycey and we'll film it. It's come to my attention that society is having trouble understanding the basic concept of Max Hedrum. I've been asked to make it simple. But even that, like, he's not... Because the 80s kids, you know, he would have been, like, a real clean-cut kid and, like, hey, come hang out with me, my mom, my dad, and my big brother, who's kind of a jerk. Right. But I look up to him anyway. Yeah, the typical TV show format. Yeah. Uh, but no, we've got Bryce. Right. <laughs> so give us a try. We may look different. We may think differently. But hey, <laughs> this is the future. And then one of the ads over the hellscape that is the French's claimed that so sensationally arresting it makes you want to hoot out loud says the Baltimore Sun make room for headroom <laughs> yeah you, you can tell they have no idea what to say about this show they're kind of like 
we don't know. It's on TV. Right, 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 right. Here's the ad they gave us. We're not sure. <laughs> the most visually original and distinctive series since Miami Vice. Yeah, I mean, like, the contrast. The one that sticks out for me is um, where it's a regular ABC TV commercial for their sitcom lineup of the night. And then in the middle of the ad, Max <laughs> just, like, inserts his, his himself. He doesn't even advertise his own show. He just inserts himself and says the word promo. And then disappears. <laughs> and you're and like, what are you supposed to make of that? I you know, know. as, as a, like a viewer who's just there to see like some sitcom on a you know Wednesday night or whatever. <laughs> I know it really makes me wish that I'd been paying attention. It was such a stark change where you would be watching TV leading up to an episode of Max Headroom and Moonlighting and Beyond, and Moonlighting has a lot of that TV drama of time look to it. I slept with her. Who's falling for who on Moonlighting? And then suddenly, like, pfft, Max hits the screen. Bye. No, this is not a blip, 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 Bert. This is a Max Headroom on Network 23. The way it was advertised was so different uh, that I think it was hard not to respond to it. Uh, certainly as someone who was already keyed into Coke ads at the time and was kind of into this character, realizing they were going to have a show about him and how weird it was advertised, I was like... I'm watching this. <laughs> yeah. The network that's a real mind blower. How's your head? How's yours? Where would you like me to start? I thought it was weird that they actually included the how's your head line in the ads. I think a, a line that may not make it to a TV advertisement that might be seen by kids and moms in the middle of the day. I, I, I suspect they wouldn't necessarily use that line in an ad these days. <laughs> Yeah, that that was interesting. That was like, huh. Yeah. But I guess they could get it by standards and practices, so. I think they didn't get. Do you know who put together the ads? I don't. The ABC. Maybe they promo- didn't get the joke. Yeah, I don't think they got the joke. I think I think they genuinely didn't realize it was a joke until well after the fact. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. You know, that absolutely could have been it. Because honestly, I'm not even sure how old I would have had to be before I was like oh I understand it took me a few more years after having seen Max and already internalized a lot of this to realize how offensive that exchange with your brand new co-worker <laughs> really is because uh, there's a part of me as a young person that just thought kind of like he's just repeating the word that she said she said like how's your head how's your head you know like you know, there's a, and, and not at all internalizing the very intentional, obvious uh, uh, entendre that he's delivering. Yes. Uh, uh, but uh, certainly, I bet that's what the, pro, the executives who saw that in an ad and said, like, great, run it. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we just said what on TV? National television? What's the worst that could happen? The ads also proved it got good reviews at the beginning. Um, the show was clearly very well loved at first. They had all those news week and other kind of promotional ad spots they were using to, to to plug the show. Max Headroom's on the cover of Newsweek. Don't you just love, love, love it! It's the television of tomorrow. You know, you know, you know me. Straight to the heart. The whole country's mad about Max. They love me. Max Headroom, After Moonlighting, Tuesday. They reinforce the After Moonlighting several times. Yes. <laughs> Which, uh, I, I mean, again, like, you seeing the Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard 
side by side with Edison Carter and Theora, like it's night and day in terms of the kinds of shows you're getting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I like that Dr. Ruth was used in one ad. Tomorrow. Come on, David. The new moonlighting you've been waiting for. Muddy and baked. Don't let that moment of excitement prevent you from being careful, okay? Then. Make room for Headroom. The premiere of Max Headroom. Right after Moonlight. 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 Tomorrow. To promote uh, uh, um, Moonlighting, but it was also a Max Headroom ad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dr. Ruth makes an appearance as a guest on Max's talk show. Uh, and right, so, which uh, we will eventually watch. Which we will eventually watch. And so I think that's, uh, uh, I don't know if that was an intentional, oh, we know this, so let's do synergy. Announce image here. The timing just doesn't work. The Moonlighting ad with Dr. Ruth would have been airing in March of 1987, and the episode of the Cinemax talk show where Max interviews Dr. Ruth wasn't until September, and they had no promotion in common between the shows. Still, it was probably appreciated by fans who could and would make the connection after the fact. But uh, um, Dr. Ruth was huge at the time, so like using her in a commercial yes. makes 100% sense. how are you? You know, Doc, you and I have something in common because on my show, I was very open and explicit about it. And I gave some sound advice about it. Yes. And I think you know what it Oh, of course. Yeah. For some reason, like, I never even really followed her, but I'm awfully fond of her. Yeah, I mean, she's great. What's not to like? But I hope... What is it? What is it? You, Max, what I hope it? that you're going to leave the advice about those things about sex to me. Don't you meddle Six in my... Six pieces of advice? <laughs> no! Max, don't you meddle in my business, because watch out. I, I think the uh, only other notable uh, factoid worth mentioning is that you get to hear a tiny bit of Ernie Anderson doing his voiceover work that he did for ABC television. The love boat. I tried to make it a little <laughs> more lecherous than romantic, you know. I really Recognize the face? The Probably not. But the voice? No. Lily is back. What is it you want? And she's after three men. Do you want to go to bed with me? Who wish she'd never been born. I want you. We, That's the, the voice of Ernie Anderson, better known as the voiceover king. An estimated 25 million viewers a day hear that voice on ABC and in numerous commercials. This is what they pay Ernie a lot of money to do. Now, uh, a lot of networks, especially the big three networks, had like a main announcer. And that was like the voice of the network. And so when you had like an official ABC TV commercial and you wanted the voice of the network to do it, Ernie Anderson at that time was the voice of ABC television. A typical workday for Ernie might be a half hour read in the morning, ABC promos at 12.30 for an hour or two, and then maybe one more commercial in the afternoon. But don't be fooled. He's not just talking. He's an actor. He is the father of Paul Thomas Anderson, the director. In 1997, Anderson died of issues related to cancer. That same year, his son, Paul Thomas Anderson, would direct the Oscar-nominated film Boogie Nights. The film career that had always seemed just out of Anderson's grasp had arrived for his son. It really strikes you when you're looking at the list of Academy Award nominees in 2008, and it says Goulardi Films. So, 
What an amazing character. Oh! Yeah, Ernie Anderson was his father, and Ernie Anderson began his career uh, as the character Goulardi, um, who would host horror movies in the 60s. And so, like, he was the late-night guy where he would wear, like, a hipster beard, and he would speak kind of like a Transylvanian hipster. Yeah. And he'd be like... Hey, next week... Oh, tomorrow, yes, on Masterpiece Theater, The Island of Lost Souls. Can you believe that? Oh, here it is. Howard Hoffman is not well. And remember, Steve, what I told you, Oxnard. <laughs> and so, like, that's how uh, uh, Ernie Anderson got his career started. Um, and uh, and he hosted uh, horror movies in uh, Cleveland for years. I mean, there's a Cramps song about him. Uh, uh, Ernie Anderson is a, a pretty uh, well-loved uh, figure. Um, uh, uh, he was the guy that uh, uh, invented the catch uh, phrase, uh, stay sick. Oh. I love it. It don't work anymore. Come on, cool. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got. A, I got a thing you won't believe. When the cooler works, don't work. We're in good shape. How long you want me to sit here, fan myself, and stay sick? But which the cramps adopted. Oh, um, of course. Uh, but yeah, uh, um, you get to hear a little bit of Ernie Anderson in those Max ads, which I always appreciate. Max Headroom, coming March 31st. Am I on air? A nice dose of uh, 80s television. I mean, like, the thing that sticks out the most with hindsight is that TV does not look anything like this now. Like, nothing looks like this now. <laughs> like, it is so... I mean, like, the thing that actually probably sticks out the most is that Max probably looks more like television now, but on a VHS-sized yes. box. <laughs> uh, and everything else really you know, sticks out, you know, because it's like... I, I mean, I, I think... Um, I've tried to make this point a few times, but like for people who like had never seen anything like this before and were just regular TV viewers and then they stumble upon Max, like it really is kind of like, you know, you're reading like romance and adventure fiction at the bookstore and then someone slips you a crazy sci-fi novel suddenly and you're like, yeah, how did this happen? <laughs> Pretty simple, really. There's your hero, Edison Carter, TV reporter, his partner, Theora Jones. If you ask me, there's a little bit more than just news going on between them. <laughs> then there's Max, Max Hedrum, Carter's computer-generated alter ego. I mean, I created him, but I can't control him. <laughs> a simple plot, a charming show. You could do that on television in a way that you can't do with novels or other media, you know? Like, people don't accidentally stumble upon science fiction movies you know you kind of have to intentionally yeah not those. usually <laughs> um yeah but like uh th when you're surfing channels max just pops up <laughs> uh and it was like a weird like it, it the subversion of it feels so much more strong uh with hindsight oh absolutely I mean, so I think uh, all we have left is maybe, uh, um, where do I feel seen? And now it's time for a game where anyone listening at home can join in the fun. It's time to play Where Do I Feel Seen? The game of inclusion that's fun for the whole family. Brought to you by Network 23 and 20 Minutes Into the Future. Are you ready to play Where Do I Feel Seen? 
If you felt seen anywhere. Yes. <laughs> well, I obviously felt seen in a bad way because I was caught stealing ideas. <laughs> From Coke ads. <laughs> From Coke ads. The, the lowest form of theft. <laughs> well, that also makes me feel like I might be onto something. Mm. You know, yes, that you with had the, the kids same stealing idea. Max and stuff. You had, you had, you came to a similar conclusion as the writers for that. Is the obvious choice. Because if they're doing it in an ad, it was obviously effective. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing it, you know, in the sitcom pitch to you, it's obviously effective. Because I'm, I'm as sure as I can be. I never saw that commercial. I must remind you, you're under oath. And it's just a good idea that kids steal Max. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even gotten to some of the ones that I think were more well repeated. Because there's two more batches of commercials for Coke ads that we haven't even gotten to yet. To be continued. I, I would say I feel seen as the super nerd for this character. Uh, I, I feel seen in that there are bits and pieces in these ads that are, were never in any other kind of Max media. Um, and you get to hear him do weird jokes and riffs that don't show up elsewhere. Um, and uh even in the uh, ABC promo ads, there's little still shots that they used that never end up in any of the episodes because when they're making the promo spots, they haven't finished the episode yet. So there's like a, a scene that didn't actually make it to film, but it's in the promo spot. And, and so, so like the, the, the super nerd in me feels seen when these ads were finally available and I could finally indulge myself completely and hear all of the little jokes that Max finally delivers in every little ad. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm basically those kids in the fringes waiting for Max to show up, you know. Like. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I thought this was a good break from our regular stuff because as you had mentioned, this was your entree to the character. Um, and uh, certainly, it, it, it is just as weird as the TV episodes that we have been watching. That's no, putting it lightly. And I would say even as weird as some of the movies and stuff that we've seen as well. Like, it, it, it's interesting to realize that this kind of media was shoved into a lot of people's heads and then forgotten for decades, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, uh, you mentioned Coke ads, and I'm sure that people will remember that Max was in them, but I don't think that they could put to mind exactly any of these specific ads unless Certainly you re-ran not. them for them. That's so long ago, I don't remember. And then when you see them, you realize kind of like, oh, that was a really strange little thing. Hmm. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt watching them again. I was like, I did not... Mm-hmm. I know I saw some of these, but I did not register how weird they were when I was a kid. Did I just see what I think I saw? Maybe someday we should watch a couple of Pepsi ads for contrast to see the Michael Jackson and the Michael J. Fox stuff. Because I think that... Um, that would be interesting. I, I think um, uh, realizing... Because, I mean, this was Michael, both Michaels at the height of their powers. And then, like, seeing what they're doing side by side with Max, I think you'll still see how crazy subversive <laughs> Oh, was. yeah. Hi, I'm me, and I'm using this to sell you this. Pepsi. Pepsi. Hi, I'm me, and I'm using this to sell you this. Pepsi. 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 For 30 minutes of stuff, it is a, a sh- there is a shocking amount packed into that 30 minutes of, of uh, recorded material. You know, uh, I mean, I, I think about this every time I uh, watch anything or listen to radio or something like that. The amount of stuff you can fit into a half hour is really surprising 
if it you really try. Is. <laughs> to say the least, these commercials are certainly products of their time and seem to reflect even the naivete of the 80s and the overblown ridiculousness of how blatantly exploited an anti-establishment cyberpunk character can become. And it's almost like Max's own conflicted roots are vying for attention in these ads. In 30 second bursts, we see versions of the fringes in these commercials, as well as copies of Max as a TV show host, and with the kind of music and editing in all of these little works of art that very much have a similar feel that you get from watching Max host music videos, too. This time, instead of introducing Ultravox, he is instead introducing new coke. The fickle finger of fate is never kind, and it wasn't long before the Cinemax contract ran out, and ABC tired of the money pit the show had become, and even the UK versions of the program were losing steam. While cute and funny, Max never resonated deeply with audiences in a big way, but was certainly flashy and fun, at least for now. After a final ad campaign that mimicked the 88 presidential commercials of that year, Coke ditched Max, whose star had sufficiently waned by then, and instead spent the next four years trying to find other ways to advertise new Coke, before briefly renaming the product Coke 2 in 1992, which fared about as well as most sequels do. The entire thing was put to bed in 2002, and aside for some Stranger Things nostalgia and synergy that led to a limited batch of new coke getting made to line up with that, the gaff has largely been relegated to the scrap heap of history, only really discussed very much by hosts of podcasts like this one. Almost as quickly as these ads were on the air, they were off. And unlike a lot of Coke's other marketing, they have never revisited Max as a way to sell their products. Not even when the kids from Stranger Things discovered the drink on that program. Their foray into New Coke was a disastrous marketing attempt that was very much a case of wrong place and wrong time. And the controversial nature of Max as a character seemed to seal his fate in that respect too was probably better to forget the whole thing rather than risk public humiliation if Max were to say something awful. Still, 80s nostalgia is a powerful thing, and inevitably, Max's ads for Coke pop up as cultural anthropologists try to make sense of the world we were all soaking in back then. It's never surprising when interest in these ads is renewed. Unfortunately, there have never been good ways to see them, they are not archived or available outside of fan-circulated collections, and there is no master list that tells you how many of them were made and which ones were which. The allure of these flashy and strange relics of another time do feel like something that presaged the vaporwave excitement that kids seem to enjoy now. But to these eyes, they seem hopelessly anchored in the past in a way that was not the case when they aired originally. The very qualities that made Max ads for New Coke seem modern, futuristic, and truly unusual now all look like specific trademarks of 80s television that are only invoked when people in the current era want to make things look like they were created 40 years ago. It is this barrier, I think, 
that keeps Max Headroom from making the leap to modern media. The look, sound, style, and comedy of his character is so completely specific to a place and time that it seems hard to imagine it outside of that time, before or afterwards, to be honest. While I do think that it is possible that you could make Max comport with modern visual language, and of course reboot him for a modern audience, what we can say from looking at these ads specifically is that when you distill everything that Max is into something that is only 30 seconds long, it is hard not to see him as a character that was writing a very difficult to catch, once in a lifetime kind of wave that will never be repeated again for better or for worse. Until next time, catch the wave and be seeing you. Let me reach for this Coke over here. Uh, 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 make sure people can see the label on that one. Big That's what swig. What you gotta do? Mm, mm. Cut. How great was that? Is he worth the money? <laughs> okay, here we go, folks. Start the win. Got it. It's great. Let's look at these. Why is this commercial? Why is this commercial? Why is this commercial? Why, why is this commercial going to sell Pepsi? Hi, I'm me, and I'm using this to sell you this. Pepsi. Pepsi. Hi, I'm me, and I'm using this to sell you this. Pepsi. 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 Hi, I'm me, and I'm using this to sell you this. I feel good about Pepsi. I feel good about Pepsi. Hi, I'm me. It's that last uh, one foot, I call it, in the supermarket, where the, that one foot between your hand reaching this direction or that direction it is an emotional one. And that's the bonding you want to get. Well, uh, one foot, I call it. Right, that one foot, one foot, one foot. Cut. You're picking people to represent traditionally perceived roles for black people. Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, the servants, the traditional role here, the black athletes, use the role that people are comfortable with seeing blacks in to help sell a product. But don't use blacks in roles that are expanding the parameters, um, that are putting blacks in new and in different settings. Hi, I'm Herschel Walker. I'm not just running through a line when I say, hi, I'm Herschel Walker. I need a Pepsi. Feel good about Pepsi, Pepsi, Pepsi. Feel good about Pepsi. Testimonials by celebrities.
And that's why a Michael, whose face you like, or we know that a large number of people are crazy about him, as soon as you see him, you say, oh, I wonder what this is going to be about. You're a whole new generation. Five million dollars to star in two 90-second ads. Pepsi. Are you sure you want to use a celebrity? 